Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Graveyard Coffee Talk. We're your hosts, Amanda and Corinne. And, and we uh, have a special guest today. We do. If you'd like to introduce yourself. Yes, my name is E.A. Forno, and I am uh, a debut indie author with a book coming up very soon called Following the Snow. Yay, we're so happy. Yes, super exciting. Um, and uh, apologies in advance to everyone who is listening to this just on audio. I've got the summer cold from heck, so I know that I am the most congested voice you have heard today. Um, you're actually not as bad as you had me believing, uh, and I'm really sorry for how you're going to sound tomorrow because no. you are following my course exactly. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Uh, so beverages today very important. Um, Always. Even though it is almost eight thirty at night as we're recording, um, I decided that coffee was necessary um, that for you so it's decaf it's just you know kroger brand decaf coffee awesome nothing fancy today i um in the spirit of we're interviewing and i'm insane have a boda box rosé because it was downstairs and i didn't want to have to go back upstairs after setting up all my equipment love it <laughs> And you? I have brought, I went very old school with this. I, we're having a, um, downstairs, we're having an old school land party. And uh, somebody brought Baja Blast. I, oh, my goodness. Just as delicious as I remembered it being. I love that for you. <laughs> I Amazing. love that for you. Uh, okay. Completely unrelated to the topic of this podcast, but didn't Mountain Dew come out with an alcoholic version of they did. the Baja Blast, like canned. They totally did. That's the thing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I have actually, I shuffled my deck. Please be so oh, proud man. of me. Uh, for the listeners, Corinne's camera isn't working, so I cannot verify that she actually remembered to shuffle the deck this time. <laughs> I shuffled it before I got on the call. You are rude. <laughs> uh, I am drawing again from the Moon Prism Tarot deck. And I'm so mad that I can't show you the pretty pictures, Amanda, because why is I am. I, I'm bringing it over next time we have game day. I'm you gonna better. Throw, I'm going to throw it in my bag. Uh, and I drew the Ten of Wands, which is all about burdens. And oh. you've picked up too many things. Put, put some down. Put some back. That's too many battles. You've picked too many battles. Um, excuse you for calling me right out. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that. Uh, Aaron, I hope I'm not calling you out too. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I could do that for you. And uh, listeners, if you haven't figured it out yet, we have an interview episode for you today. Yay! Very so, exciting. Amanda, you want to kick right. us off? I can. Uh, so thank you uh, for being our first non-horror author on the podcast. Um, I know Corinne is really grateful that we can <laughs> finally talk about a book that won't scar her for life. Branching out. Branching uh, out. Yes. 
So could you give us a quick synopsis of your debut novel, Following the Snow? Yep, I sure can. So Following the Snow is uh, about a young woman who is born under their goddess's constellation, uh, which is um, a ring of seven stars with a crescent moon inside. The crescent moon is um, the, the symbol of her consort. So um, she is born under this symbol, which in Erta, which is the continent that everybody lives on in this particular uh, book, uh, it, you are chosen this way to become what is called an obligate. There are Troth and Scion who can be obligates and you are tasked with leadership roles within one of four kingdoms. Um, it's usually, this may sound boring to some, but it's it's uh, it's usually some sort of economic position and you work with someone called a Primus and you also work with their monarch um, in order to ensure peace and prosperity. Um, this after a massive war, a magical war uh, that happened about a hundred years in the past. And so it's her journey as she walks this obligation. I'm so excited about magical economics. That's right. Yes. Right. I I don't think I know any fantasy reader who wouldn't hear that and go, oh, <laughs> please tell me more. Yeah, and I will have to say the um this first book, so the second book is coming out probably in February. Soft, I've got a soft uh, release date in February. Um, but the second one is going to get into more of the magical elements, and this one is going to kind of build up this world after magic, um, with its with its economic <laughs> with its economic bent. I, I actually wasn't joking about fantasy econ. Uh, like, Spice and Wolf is one of my favorite anime, and it's all go. about economics. Uh, speaking of fantasy, what drew you into the world of fantasy romance? Sure. So I have 100% always been an avid reader, but I've always been an even more avid make-believer. Um, I, I hold degrees in both history and archaeology. And especially when you're on digs and stuff like that, that whole like make-believe aspect of your mind it, it definitely comes into play. Uh, you're digging things up and you're like, what could this be? What do you think this was? You know, and it, it almost has a fantastical element to it. Um, but anyways, I combine these loves of, of make-believe uh, and reading, and I, and I thought about building this world um, around fantastical concepts and of course i am a, i am a romance reader through and through it was actually my first love uh in reading uh and so it's, it's quite spicy as well because spice holds my interest okay well then i mean if my uh current instagram algorithm is anything to go by it holds everyone's interest it holds everyone interest. right exactly same on my tiktok yeah my tiktok is, is big on that so something oh, yeah. about the spice must run and the spice <laughs> Wait, I probably quoted that wrong. I've never actually read you Dune. Definitely did. Well, I tried. I watched the I'm movie. I'm not gonna once. correct you. I'm sure the internet will correct me. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So I know when you were first uh, talking to Corinne about your book, you mentioned that you did draw from real world folklore. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the podcast, as that is um, kind of our bread and butter. Uh, what can you tell us about that aspect without giving away too many spoilers? Okay, so you're definitely going to feel the presence of um, folklore within our main character. She actually, it, she reminisces. You do have a little bit of, um, uh, you know, she's going over memories and stuff in her head where you do learn about her early life. Uh, one of her tutors, um, 
she really hated reading in the beginning, but then she introduced her to a text called Magica and Menagerie. Uh, and she references that throughout the book. And I pull on, well, I don't want to, I know, spoilers, right? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> I drew on a lot of things from um, my family's history, a lot of things that I heard um, growing up. For example, in Kentucky, uh, my people are from the, the Appalachian area. And all my life, I've been told about the women in my family being seers. Um, my great, great, great grandfather, he was a seventh son of a seventh son, him being a whisperer. They said he could heal mm -hmm. um, by, by whispering into people's ears. Um, I grew up being terrified of bloody, bloody bones and haints and banshees and all of these things. And so um, what I wanted was for people to be able to hear the lore, hear the folktale, um, and through that, understand and have a deeper, um, well, a deeper understanding of the characters' lives, essentially. So they, you know, you will start learning about their lore, about some of their superstitions, um, their backgrounds, and you will hear sayings, colloquialisms that will reference that lore as well throughout the book. Okay. Oh my gosh, I'm so here for this. <laughs> And I know Amanda, you you come from a similar background. Your your family does. Yeah, um, not so much immediately because everyone made it to Louisville. But my great grandma was um, Harlan County. Oh yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So you're going to see a lot there, and and you may have heard some of the the similar things, especially with like bloody bones or the mm -hmm. idea of Hanks. Um, and a lot of that, you know, Hanks essentially being banshees, you know, that, that kind of Irish bent and a lot of people coming from Ireland. I don't know if that's similar for you, but settling within the... Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I still hold my breath when I drive past graveyards. There you go. Which is really inconvenient in my neighborhood. <laughs> really inconvenient in a lot of Louisville. <laughs> true, true. Especially on my running routes. Uh, there are two graveyards that I run past, so... Yeah, yeah. I keep seeing on Strava, it's like you could run through Cave Hill Cemetery, and I'm like, oh, but could I? But could you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So I'm curious about what it was like to adapt this folklore to kind of suit what you needed for world building. Mm -hmm. Like, did you find things difficult? Or I know I've read books in the past where the authors didn't file off the serial numbers very well, and I'm like, aha, I know what this is. Yeah. Right. So and I. Like yeah, I tried really hard to make sure that it was um, as authentic as possible. So um, you may, I'm trying to think if I have anything with a similarity. No, not so much, not so much. So I feel like lore and legends are such an integral part of um, a culture um, that, that I really wanted it to be unique and for them to have their own in Erta mm -hmm. um, as a as a means of understanding the, the characters on a deeper level. So um, the continent does have its own pantheon of gods and goddesses. Um, now they will feel similar, of course. Um, there are, like, there's a goddess of the forest or there is a god of um, uh, lightning and weather. So you will have that, right? So there's kind of a similarity there, but, but then, as you get down on um, um, a more local level, you will see how uh, people kind of have different legends, different aspects, different things that they hold on to, or they venerate maybe another god or goddess over the other. So um, I really wanted all of the people to feel different, all of the kingdoms to feel different, even though they shared um, this similar religious aspect. So 
when looking to create those cultures, I tried to think about some of my favorite um, um, tales from different cultures, Nordic, Irish, Welsh, uh, Greco-Roman, Mesopotamian. Uh, I tried to pull on some of those, but then I tried to make their legends, their stories uh, completely different. So it didn't necessarily feel like you were talking about Athena or you didn't necessarily feel like mm -hmm. you were talking about Inanna, you know. Um, so so even though you may be able to draw parallels, I did try to make them have their, their own stories. And early on in the book, I created an entirely um, unique story that kind of sets up... Um, I'm trying. Oh, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. So <laughs> yes, I create. I create a story that kind of um, sets up this world and and shows you where we are and and kind of our thought processes. And um, with that, I kind of I try to play on morality as well. Um, the idea, you know, some places have this idea that all gods are are benevolent, good. I try to push kind of against that um, and, and mix it up as well with that. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Looking forward to the fact that I've already got this pre-ordered. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. And we will have the link so that after you're done listening, you guys can go and pre-order yourselves. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, absolutely. Um, so I know, especially with your educational background, you've got a pretty solid foundation in research. Mm -hmm. um, are there any other skills that you've developed that have come in handy for writing? I think that, so I do have a background in research. Um, both history and anthropology really kind of lean into that. Um, mm -hmm. When I started creating the world for this book, however, I wanted to kind of dive into researching well, like researching and, and coming up with a material culture um, that can be seen. And I'm going to go back to archaeology with that. Um, when you dig something up, it okay. may be, you know, it may be a pig jaw. True story. But it may <laughs> look an awful lot like a T-Rex mandible. OK, um, so. Um, so definitely using um, research skills, especially for material cultures, in order to come up with something different and unique, or I'm hoping different and unique. Um, I am not uh, a trained creative writer by any means. Uh, and so I really had to think differently about my research, um, you know, and, and be okay with the fact that there, you know, there wasn't going to be like... Um, certain specific things that I was going to find in order to make this happen. Um, but I think it, it, I think that my background in research definitely gave me an eye for trying to come up with and present small differences so that I wouldn't have to say, oh, this person is from Norsha. Oh, this person is from Gaia. Every time you would be able to tell based upon what they wore or based upon um, certain mannerisms they had even where they were from culturally. Okay, so is that what that you mean by sense. material cultures? Because I was going to ask, because I I don't actually know what that means. Yeah, I, I yeah, definitely. Yep. So, um, uh, historians and archaeologists they're they're kind of at opposing ends, right? Uh, historians will study the written culture, the 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 written aspects of uh, of a people, and that includes art. That includes things written on statuary as well. Uh, archaeologists they will look at the material culture. They are um, obsessed with things that humans have taken and modified um, in order to be used, for example. Uh, and so that is your material culture. So 
So what I truly love, is, especially in books, is when somebody has a really uh, fine grasp of material culture and how that um, makes your characters work. Um, and, and this can be anything, how they how they use items, how they use items differently, of course. Um, oh no, that's a spoiler. We're not gonna give that one away, okay. Um, so uh, what they wear or what was important to their culture. And, and that can be found in the material. Um, in, um, in a lot of Nordic cultures, you will find very finely woven wools, for example, and, and you can see the time that they put into that. So if you find pieces of that, you can see the patterns, you can see the, the, um, the dyeing techniques, you can see everything that was put into that. Uh, and that's gonna give you a, a very different look at their world from opposed to, um, let's say, um, the, the, the silk masters in China, you're gonna look at that a little bit differently um, when you find those two pieces of material and how they're gonna play within their cultures. Okay, thank you for breaking that down. Yes. Probably too long of a breakdown. Uh, no, this is- No. <laughs> <laughs> so we joke that we are folklore junk food. Okay, okay, we I like that. We don't have the same research background. We are learning as we go. There yep. you go. It's perfect. So, that you know what growth is the best thing, and it's the most fun thing. It is. It is. So now that we've gotten you to go on this great tangent, next question. Uh, you work full time. Mm -hmm. You are involved with some pretty time intensive hobbies. Like I know you from the Society for Creative Anachronism. Mm -hmm. How did you balance all these competing priorities? Because that's you do a lot. I do a lot. Yeah, I do a lot. Uh, and it was a lot for sure. Um, I, I did allow myself grace, right? And when I set deadlines, I tried to um, really give myself time to um, to not focus on efficiency, first of all, um, but to focus on, on development. Uh, this would be, like I said, my debut novel. So I, I really wanted this to come from... Um, from my soul, essentially. Uh, and, and so, and that took time. Um, also, I did not want to end up damaging relationships uh, or missing out on things I valued, such as going to events through um, the Society for Creative Anachronisms. Um, I have a super amazing partner who was willing to take up a lot of slack around the house, and that was definitely something. I'm definitely forever indebted to him for doing that. Um, and because my hobbies kind of lean into um, my writing, it was important for me to continue those hobbies. So um, for example, I weave, um, I weave cloth from fiber and you will see in the book, I do kind of talk about cloth texture and color and um, and why that is important to people. Um, I watch a lot of sword fighting. And so within our hobby, uh, there are sword fighters and there are both one-on-one -on -one fights and then there are giant melee fights. So for me, it was really important to sit with and watch those so I could write a, a much more convincing, in a much more convincing way um, when there are battle scenes or where there are fighting scenes. And I tried to make those, you know, as realistic as possible. So definitely, you know, definitely it was it was it was a balancing act for sure. And it took a ton of time. But um, I tried to make sure to to not give up on those things, but use those things to make my uh, my manuscript better. Love that. All right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So we have recently talked a lot about fairy tales in folklore. Um, are there any stories that you dream of retelling yourself? Okay, 
So I am an educator and I'm specifically focused in world history. And I think it is incredibly important when learning history. I I am an educator who I could, I, guys, I couldn't care less if you memorize a bunch of dates, okay? That's just me. But I feel like you can have a much greater understanding of a culture if you do look at their mythology, their legend, their lore, because most of those are moral tales. Most of those are mm -hmm. stories um, to teach a lesson, um, to keep kids in bed at night, okay? Um, and so I try to bring that in. For example, um, I felt that when I was teaching about Mesoamerican culture, um, who have, and Mesoamerican cultures have such a rich array of, of legend, uh, folktale, and lore. Um, and I thought that when uh, this unit was being taught, that that was kind of lacking. And so really tried to find uh, sources for that. Originally, when I was looking, there were not a lot. So I was like, okay, I'm going to tell this tale of, of the the, <laughs> the hero twins of ancient Maya in their time in Jibalba, which is their underworld. I'm going to try to do my best. And then, you know, uh, looking at different African cultures, sub-Saharan African cultures, um, the griots, the oral traditionalists, you can uh, find sources where you can see those oral histories being shared. And I think it does so much to, to give people an idea of what was important, of what was valued um and you know it gives people such a, a a greater idea of who the people are even if these tales were created many many years ago so in essence i do get to bring a lot of these back to life but that being said um i would love to also retail some of the classic tales with some of their more morbid endings like the little mermaid for example i'm sure you guys know that the ending of han christian sanderson little mermaid was not quite what we see today especially in you know in no. what <laughs> disney yeah. lied to me yeah many times that sounds fake yeah <laughs> They, yeah, they do you right with the Little Mermaid. <laughs> I do really love what you were saying about the importance of storytelling. I think that's something Amanda and I keep coming up with again and again and again as we do our own research. Mm -hmm. So, really like just hearing that reiterated, it makes my heart happy. Oh, for sure. For sure. I agree wholeheartedly. Yes. Okay. So, favorite fantasy critter. Okay. This one was, this one was hard. Um, Again, oral traditionalists, I love them. Uh, at SCA events, some of my favorites have been Russian um, lore and fairy tales. They are, they're rough. Right? They are rough. They, yeah. they don't end like you think they're going to end. The same thing with Hungarian tales. Holy cow. You're listening to these. This person is, you know, you are just riveted on their words and all of a sudden it ends and you were like, that's that's how it ended but some of them are also just majestic i mean you know just just incredible so um i also love hans christian anderson the snow queen the little mermaid um different authors that inspired me some fantasy some not um i i am an outlander fan okay diana gobbledon uh tolkien of course suzanne collins i thought hunger games was a great dystopian novel um as far as romance julie garwood there's a million i read 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 uh, and have since I was probably 13 or 14 when I really, really got into throwing it, throwing it down with the books. Um, so really kind of anything handed to me. Yeah. I Love that. Uh, can relate. <laughs> I, I think 
all of us can relate, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, briefly, in an episode that we actually just released, um, it didn't end up making it into the episode, but I was listening to you go on about the Hungarian folklore and I read a little oh. bit about the, um, the Vila and some of the um, more epic poetry. And I'm like, okay, when can I make time to really dive yeah. into this? Because yeah. it's incredible. Oh, it was wild. I, I'm still obsessed with that. The little bits of Hungarian bread lore I found for our food episode that I went insane looking for. Nice. Nice. It was, it sure was the thing that, <laughs> that happened. Um, and it was worth it because that story was amazing. Hey, there you go. <laughs> worth it. Yes. Um, so Corinne tells me that you are also a singer. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got to ask, did you create any sort of playlist so, for your writing? Sorry. Um, there are actually a lot of songs, not a lot, probably four or five songs that are in the book um, that I wrote out and put music to, and they're going to be recorded and put up on the website so that when readers are to that particular chapter, um, I'll probably put a um, QR code or something like that, or just say, head to my website if you want to hear these. So um, so I have local ditties um, that are sung, and then I have some war ballads as well. Uh, and those are, like I said, going to be up on my website if you wanted to hear those. So um, so that happens within there. And then I was thinking about it. I normally can't write if there's anything with words in it. Okay. So, Agreed. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard. Now, if I can't understand the words, it's a little bit better. I'm absolutely, I'm a huge Luciano Pavarotti fan. Maybe that'll, you know, throw the nerd sign on me, but I'm here for it. I wear that badge. Um, Sam Smith's Unholy, believe it or not, it came out and it was just in my head. Um, uh, a lot of Southern Gothic tunes, which is kind of a new thing that I've been listening to. And I cannot forget Lizzo. Okay. That happened too. Just, uh, just yeah. some kind of inspiring people that I would, you know, would listen to or would, or would, would put me in that place where I did want to write. Um, and yeah, but no, when I write, I really can't listen to anything with words. I understand that completely as someone who writes copy for a living. Yep. 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 Yeah. Okay. I can't focus on anything. If there's, they used to listen to so much K-pop, and then they started putting too much English in their songs because they all want to make it oh, big in yeah. the United States. And I'm like, damn it, guys! Yep. The minute the minute I can understand it, I'm like, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, it's really sad. Okay, and last but certainly not least, where can our listeners find you? Uh, when does Following the Snow come out? And is there a pre-order link so that we can include it in the show notes? Yes. So the ebook is currently on pre-order on Amazon uh, and it will be made available in print there on Amazon, but in other retailers, Barnes and Noble, Target, things like that, August the 22nd of 2023. So coming up fairly soon. Uh, and then I will have again that soft date for the second in the series. Uh, it's, the series is called The Obligate Verita. Uh, so book two will be coming out in February. All right. And you, I know you're accurate accurate i can use words you're active on tiktok yes i love your tiktok i it's thank a problem you. thank you i do some wild things on tiktok but you know i, I lean into being me and I'm, I'm here for it uh i am uh ea fort no on tiktok 
And I think that's what I am on TikTok. I'll that's what to. you are on TikTok, yes. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> I just went out today. I did a big giveaway and it was hilarious and fun. And instead of doing like drawing names from a cup or putting an electronic wheel on, I wrote everybody's name on a big poster board and I went out and shot some archery and wherever the arrows landed, that's who got the books. <laughs> Love, Love that. that. Right? A little bit of fun, a little bit of something different. Okay. Are you on any other social media that people can find you? I know you're also on Facebook. Mm -hmm. On Facebook, I am on Instagram. I have to say, I don't think I'm built for Instagram. I, I don't keep things um, nice, neat, and pretty, but you know, I'm trying to get out there. Uh, but Facebook, for sure, there is an EA Fortno page there. I also have a newsletter if you go to my website, which is www.fortno, and that is F O R T N E A U X. That is the old French spelling. Uh, dot com. You can sign up for my newsletter there and um, I send out like I'll be sending out um, coupon codes and um, I send things to different ARC readers uh, and my newsletter will keep everybody in order of what's coming out and when. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Do you know how nice it was to talk about things that are not giving me nightmares? <laughs> They're not. They're right. You're going to be able to sleep tonight. What's that going to be like? Oh my God. It's amazing. <laughs> It's a miracle. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you so much thank for having so me. Much. It was really a fun thing to do. That's great. Yep, we loved having you. Yay. Um, and I don't have anything else to add. Do you, Corinne? No, I don't. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, sweet dreams and caffeinated nightmares, everyone. Good night. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to Graveyard Coffee Talk. Our theme music is Pretty Little Dead Girls by Seanan McGuire, copyright 2006 and used with permission. Our cover art is by Kyle Welsh. If you want to keep the chat going, please visit our website at graveyardcoffeetalk.com for transcripts, episode notes, and more. Follow us on Instagram at graveyardcoffeetalkpod or on Twitter at talkgraveyard. They say she's looking for a promise So long that she's 16 still And she never grew up And she never